to welcome all of our guests today. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are so glad to have you. If you're watching us online today, wherever you're watching from, we welcome you today. And uh, my name is David Wright, by the way. And, <laughs> uh, been several weeks since I've been here, so it's good to be here today. And uh, there's a song we sing that as I was driving back into town yesterday, came to mind, very appropriate song. And I don't know about you, but with regards to here, this is how I feel about it. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd... So I, I love Maryland. I love Maryland. Praise God. There's a lot of other nice places in the world, but I love Maryland. So if you don't feel that way, that's your prerogative. But uh, amen. I, I, you know, just because you're not as young as you used to be doesn't mean you're not as stupid as you used to be. And uh, Elizabeth and Timothy and I pulled out of Madison, Mississippi, 1.30 a.m. your time, Saturday morning, and drove straight through yesterday, and I drove all but about two hours of the 14, so I am present today in body. <laughs> I'm not sure where my head is, <laughs> but I was ready to be home, so I hope you don't clap, don't cheer. I'm not fishing, but I, I hope yours happy for to me be home as I'm happy to be home. So praise God. Amen. Did have a, we had a great conference. I'll mention probably a little bit more tonight and actually would encourage if you can to be here tonight. I believe I have a word from God tonight for us as a congregation, but a great conference this week in Mississippi and had a, had the privilege last Sunday of uh, preaching in the church that my dad's parents pastored for several years in Jay, Florida. I'm sure uh, 99% of you have probably never heard of Jay, Florida. Their, their kindergarten through 12th grades are all for, for Jay. Kindergarten through 12th grade are all located at the same property. And for kindergarten through 12th grade... For all of Jay, Florida, there are about seven to eight hundred students. Kindergarten through twelfth. I don't even, I think most of our elementary schools are way more than that, but great privilege and opportunity and be a part of the continuation of what God is doing there. Amen. Job chapter 26. Job 26, beginning with verse number one. Job 26 and 1. But Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? And Job is saying this in response to what one of his friends has just said. To whom hast thou uttered words, and whose spirit came from thee? Dead things are formed from under the waters, and the inhabitants thereof. Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. He, the he here that Job is referring to, is God. And Job says, he stretcheth out the north over the empty place. And this last phrase is what I want you to focus on, what I want to draw your attention to today. He hangeth the earth upon nothing. He hangeth the earth upon nothing. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, the potential of nothing. The potential of nothing. Father, thank you for this privilege today of being in your presence again. 
Thank you, God, for what you have already done. You have already ministered in this place, and I thank you for that. And now, through your word, Lord, I pray that you would and bring a fresh word, an on-time word to somebody's life today. Not a sermon this morning, God, but a word that would come from you, touch somebody's heart today. I trust you today, Father. I depend upon you for your anointing, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amplified says, verse 7 this way, He it is who spreads out the northern skies over emptiness and hangs the earth upon or over nothing. If you're going to hang something, you need something. If you're going to hang a picture on a wall, you need materials. There are different things that sometimes are, are done to look like they are hanging. They are made to appear that they are hanging from nothing. One of the common tricks among magicians is to levitate someone and then make it appear as though they are hanging by nothing. And yet we know that it is an illusion, that there is something there even if you can't see it. Because as human beings, we are not able to hang something with nothing. But God takes this earth and this world, in fact, but God takes this earth and he hangs it. In the middle of space, from nothing. I'm going to hang it with nothing. I'm going to suspend it, and it's going to stay there from nothing. The Bible says the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. And that which is seen came from what was unseen. Brother Whaley, I would imagine that if we had a stack of lumber sitting here today that you had ordered for a project... I got a feeling that you have the ability to look at the lumber and imagine and picture what it's going to be. If you are an artist, I would imagine when you get ready to start your painting, you have an image, you have an idea, but, but if Brother Whaley can imagine what he's going to build, No matter how good of a carpenter he may be, he can't build it from nothing. No matter how skilled of an artist you may be, you need a brush and you need some paint and you need a canvas. You you can't do something from nothing. I've come to tell you today, God has this amazing ability to do something with nothing. God is not limited like we are that he's got to assemble the materials to make something. God doesn't have to get all the supplies ready and in place to do what he's going to do. All God's got to do is he gets the idea in mind and then he can simply speak. In fact, the scripture says it this way. God calls those things that are not as though they already were. God looks at what he is going to do with such certainty as if it is already done. 
done because in fact, in the way God, in God's economy, in God's mind, in God's time, God is where it is already done. Oh, hallelujah. So God really doesn't need much to do much. God doesn't really need something to be able to do something. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God said, let me, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take one of the most massive things ever done and I'm, let me just show you what I can do. I'm just gonna hang it. That's how powerful the word of God is. And, and, and I don't mean, and I, I, I guess let me, let me say it this way. I do mean it twofold. Not only the written word, if you've never heard this before in the, in the Greek, which is the, the language the New Testament was written in, translated into English. In the Greek, there are two Greek words that are used for the English word, word. And one of those words is the word logos. And that word is, in the Bible says in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word. There, the Greek word is logos. Logos is the plan. It's the blueprint. It's the pattern. And so this is, this is Logos. This is not, this is not literature. This is Logos. This is the Word of God. But then the other word is the word that this probably isn't really exactly the way it's pronounced, but this is what the way all of us English speaking folks say it. And that is the word Rhema. That's the word where Paul says we, our faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word, the rhema, and, and rhema is the living voice. It's a fresh utterance, and rhema can come to us in various ways. One of the ways rhema can come to us is by God speaking to us, or God speaking to us through somebody else, and rhema also can come as something that's in the Logos being quickened to us. Anybody ever been in a situation, anybody ever been in prayer dealing with something and all of a sudden a, a, a scripture, a verse from the Bible came into mind. Suddenly a verse was quickened. That's rhema. That's when God takes the written word and makes it a fresh living word. And, and so the, the written word is powerful, but the, but the fresh word is also powerful. And God's ability to speak today and create is just as powerful as it was in the beginning when God created. In fact, I kind of believe part of the reason God started this all in the beginning by speaking it into an ex into existence was so that you and I could see the power of God speaking. So that now God can speak into our lives and the same word, the same God that said, let there be light and there was light. That same God is able to speak into your world and cause things to be that may not seem to be there yet. Oh, hallelujah. That's why I say, I, I realize, I, I'm sure many of you probably have noticed, I don't ever want it to be vain repetition, but I, I've gotten in for a couple of years now to saying, usually before I preach, when I pray, God, I don't want to preach a sermon. A sermon, the connotation of a sermon is it's something man has come up with. It, it may be about God. It may be a message about God. It, it may be a message for a service, but it just has a connotation of its, it, it, it originated with man. I, I don't want what I preach to originate with me. I want it to originate from him because I don't know what you have need of today. I, I don't know exactly what you're going through. And while I may know some circumstances of some of you, I don't know everything that's going on. On. Also, I don't know what God's plan and purpose is for what you're going through, but what I do know is God knows. 
So somehow, if I can just be sensitive enough, my job is not to come wow you with some thought this morning. My job is to find out what is the rhema that God wants to say today. What is it that God wants to speak into your life today? I could say it this way. What is it that God wants to form in your life today? Oh, I am, I am, I am, I've been for a while and it, I, this, this week it's just kind of been amped up even more. I am just so stirred that we, we are so, we are so clueless as to what we're really doing. I don't mean as far as how to do or, or ideas of, of how to do. I mean the significance, the awesomeness of what we are a part of. The church. I don't mean a church. The church and what the church is, but, but also just this God that we know. Oh, am I in the wrong place this morning? Can I, I get a little bit more help? I, in fact, I, I, I think what, what even confirms that is how, how we can, we can come to church, but then we, we just, we go on about our business. We may come to church, but then we go back to our lives. We just sort of, we, we, we put in our time and, but then we disconnect, not realizing that this is not about an hour and a half or two hours on Sunday morning and it's not about a couple of hours Sunday night or Thursday night or a care group, but this is about 24 hours a day, seven days a week that I am connected to something that is eternal. I am connected to someone who has the power to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. Someone who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me go back, I guess, to what I said during the song we were singing. I think our problem is too many times our perspective of God is based on our circumstances and situations. We sort of look at God and define God by what we are in and what we are going through. Rather than realizing circumstances and life and the temporal is no reflection of what God is, who God is, what God can do. He says, I, I don't need something. I, I don't need all the materials and the, and, and, and the, I, I don't need your skills and abilities and I don't need your intellect. And, to do something. And no offense, but I can do something with nothing. <laughs> Bottom line is, what, what do I have to offer God? What do you have to offer God? I mean, come on, seriously. What, what do you have to give God? Well, God, you're so blessed to have me. Really? I just, I hear God kind of responding and think, you can't even live, literally. I mean, not, I know we sing, when we sing it, we're usually meaning it figuratively. I can't live without you. Or when, when we say it, we're talking, we're really talking more figuratively. I can't live without you. But you know what? You, you really, you can't live without Him. Cause you can't do that on your own. He gave it to you to begin with and he decides when you don't get it anymore. You can't, you can't live. I realize there are seven, what are you, seven billion now? Over seven billion than what we are in the world. I realize there's probably close to seven billion, the way it appears, people in the world that are pretty confident they can breathe without him. They can live without him, but that just shows how gracious and kind he is. It's a good thing I'm not. I don't, you'd probably be a really good God, but it's, it's a good thing I'm not God. Cause I think I'd be, I'd be spending too much time looking around going, you think you can live without me? Let me show you. You think you got this? Let me, let me let you know how much you got this. We better be glad God doesn't have a self-esteem issue. Having a like most of us, we're going, we're constantly trying to prove to everybody. 
I can do what you think. You don't think watch. You just watch me. <laughs> Man, if God was doing that, I, there probably wouldn't be anybody living. By the time he got through proving to every one of us I'm real, we'd be fried. Done. Finished. The Bible says, I'm paraphrasing, but the Bible says that the unbelief, or if I could put it this way, the lack of acknowledgement of some, really of many, of God, does not diminish God one single bit. There are 500,000 plus people in this county. We've on, we, we only got about, how many seats we got in here right now, Brother Whaley, set out? Six, seven hundred? About seven hundred seats and we ain't even filling half of them. But you know what? I don't stand here and look at the empty seats and think of 500,000 people in this county. That, you know what? Maybe God's not real. The problem is God responds to faith and not need. He that cometh to God, first of all, must believe, number one, that He is. He is. He's God. Got to start there. And then secondly, you've also got to believe He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So if you don't believe he is, and you don't come to him believing he is, and that he will respond to you, he won't. That's why you can come this morning and sit in this place, and somebody could leave here with a terminal disease completely gone from their body, and somebody else could leave with something a lot less minor and not get what they need. Because one person comes in and says, God, I know what you can do and I'm going to reach out and I'm going to connect with you because if I can connect with you, something is going to happen. The Bible tells us about a woman that had an issue of blood and for 12 years she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor and nobody could help her. And one day she was in a crowd of people where Jesus was and she made up her mind, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, just the outermost portion of his garment, I will be made whole. I I want you to notice several things about this. First of all, she did not say, if he will just stop and talk to me and pray for me and give me his attention, I'll be okay. In fact, what she was saying was, I don't even need him to acknowledge me. I don't even need him to pay attention to me. All I need to do is just touch that garment, and when I touch that garment, I will be made whole. And the Bible says that she pressed her way through the crowd, and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, Jesus stopped. He turned to his disciples, and he asked a question. He said, who touched me? The disciples responded and said, well, Lord, what do you, what do you mean? There is a multitude of people here. Who has, how do you not realize all kinds of people have been bumping into you and now suddenly you want to ask, who touched me? And he says, virtue. <laughs> Virtue just went out. Because while everybody may have been bumping into me, somebody just touched me. You see, a bunch of you have been bumping into him all morning because he's here. A bunch of you have been bumping into him since you got here this morning because I know he's here. But there's only a few of you to this point that have actually touched him because being where he is and bumping into him is not the same thing as reaching out with faith and saying if I can just get a hold of him something is going to happen 
John, let me get back to what I thought I came to preach. John 6 and verse 3. Familiar story. Jesus went up into a mountain and there was, there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him. Listen, if God ever asks you a question, don't, don't be mistaken that he's really in need of your answer. This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. What are we going to do about this? They were, they were, Philip and the rest of them were ignorant enough to think he really wanted to know. Philip said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. I don't know what penny worth, 200 penny worth is equivalent to us for today, but what he was saying was, we don't, even if we had this amount of money, it would not be enough to provide food for them. Notice, 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 to take a little. We do not have the resources and the means to provide for them to just get Little. I want you to mentally underline that in your subconscious. A little. He said, we don't, we can't even get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are though that, what are they among so many? And, and, and most of you know this in case you don't. Loaves there is not a loaf of bread like you go up to Safeway and get. They were, they were rolls. They were biscuits. And notice the adjective, small. Just to make sure you got the picture clear, Lord. Don't, don't be go imagining some, you know, big old rockfish. We got two small fishes. What is that among so many? What can you do with that? Philip says, first of all, we don't have money to buy bread. But second of all, if we did, we couldn't even get them enough to really feed them. And then Andrew says, you know, there's a kid that's got a lunch. But can you re- re- rewind the tape, if you will, for a moment and imagine this, this boy getting ready to walk out the door. I don't know if he was going to see Jesus or I don't, if he, maybe he was just leaving the house to go fool around. And mom calls from the, from the inside and says, hold on just a minute. Take a lunch. Oh, mom. I, I hate, I can't. And this is really way, 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 way down on the list. But I can't wait to get to heaven because you're not going to need keys. There'll be no locked doors. I hate stuff in my pockets. I'm to the point now, I leave my wallet in my car. Don't tell the thieves that. I leave my wallet in my car all the time and... I'm, I'm a minimalist. I don't like to have to. What kid wants to go play having to carry his lunch? Like most mothers, I just kind of imagine her saying, Take the lunch. Okay. And there he goes. See, what he didn't understand was he had nothing. But somebody was about to need nothing. He didn't wake up that morning in early morning prayer and God speak to him and say, go get in the multitude with a lunch because I'm going to use you. He was just going out with a lunch that was insignificant. And Jesus said, 
make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 5,000. Now, just make sure we're all on the same page. That's the number of men. We say Jesus fed 5,000. He didn't feed 5,000. I've heard it estimated that he fed at least high up to, a high estimate up to 20,000. Because there were women and children that were there as well. He just said the men. And he took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them were sat down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Can you imagine, what, what would you think of me this morning if I walked in here with, with a little Happy Meal box? Cheeseburger, french fries, and a small soda. And I said to you all, we, we are going to eat. Of course, a few of you respond and say, we ain't touching that. You get hungry enough, you, you, you eat some stuff you wouldn't normally eat. So forgetting the fact that half of you probably refuse to eat at McDonald's, just pardon me for a moment and work with me. You, you, you would, I mean, to get that cheeseburger and fries into enough pieces just for us to get a piece. And I don't know about you, but by the time I got that piece that was broken up small enough that everybody could be some, get something, it would only do one thing. It'd make me real mad. If you've never been down south, you owe it to yourself one time in your life to go down south and get some good southern cooking. You have not lived until you've eaten some good southern cooking. When you go down south to eat good southern cooking, you don't eat for the purpose of nourishment and, and just get your, you eat for the purpose of pleasure. And some of you wouldn't, don't, might as well not waste your time because you won't touch fried stuff, so don't go. There's no way you would consider that from that small amount of food you could get anything worthwhile. So he says, bring it to me, blesses it, breaks it. And then, and listen, what did, what did Philip say? If we had this much money, we couldn't even buy enough to feed them. We could only give them a little. And yet verse 12 says, when they were filled, he didn't give them a snack. Any of you parents ever been there? I'm hungry, middle of the afternoon. I'm hungry. Well, we're going to eat dinner in, in two hours, so you get a snack. So you give your kid a snack, and they eat the snack, and they come right back and say, I'm still hungry. And you say, I know, it was a snack. The purpose of a snack is not to fill you up, it's to hold you over. He wasn't giving them a snack. They were filled. In addition to them being filled... The disciples then gathered fragments that remain. They gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves and the small fishes which remain over and above unto them that had eaten. They ate from five loaves, two small fishes until they were full and then there were 12 Baskets full of leftovers. And it all started in the context of this message today from nothing. But God say, I just, I can do something with nothing. The problem is you got to at least give me your nothing. God's not concerned that you have nothing to give him, but God needs you to give him your nothing. I'll say that again. I know that was pretty simple, but God's not concerned with the fact you have nothing, but he still needs you to give him nothing because he needs something to start with, even if it is nothing. He didn't just say, have everybody sit down and he looked up to the heavens and called down from heaven a spread to feed them. He said, I need to start with something, no matter how insignificant it may appear to be. 
I've come to preach to some people today that God is interested in the nothing that you have. And God is looking at you today saying, I realize in your mind what you have is nothing, but I'm interested in you giving me what you have, even if it is nothing. Because when you give me what you have, I'm able to take it and do some stuff with it that is far beyond anything you could ever expect or imagine that I can do with it. God took the nothingness of an Abraham who was childless and turned him into the father of all believers. God took the nothingness of a shepherd boy and turned him into the greatest king that Israel ever had. God took the nothingness of some fishermen and turned them into the foundation of the church that he built. He took the nothingness of a virgin and used her as the means by which to birth the Messiah. What is it today that God is interested in doing through your life? If you would just simply say to him, God, it may not really be much. In fact, it doesn't seem like anything. But I'm going to take what I have because you can take nothing and do something far beyond what I could ever imagine. Oh, I'm preaching to some people today that you come to church week after week after week and you look at yourself and don't think you really have anything to offer. And guess what? You don't. I'm not going to try to butter you up this morning. You don't. You don't. But the good news today is that's exactly what God is looking for. I know if, you, if you're a guest this morning or you've only been here a few times, I realize you look around and there's some, there's some sharp looking people here. Look at, you look at these, you look at, you know, folks that are part of this church and you see them and the, you see these fellas sitting up here, man, just some fine looking fellas, man, all dressed up, looking sharp. Go back 20, 25. 30 years ago. And these fellows sat where some of you are sitting. Seemingly nothing. But fortunately, somewhere along the way, they said, God, I got nothing. But if you're willing to accept nothing, I will give you my nothing. Because you've got the abilities, as does the potter, you just give the potter a lump of clay. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. Just a, just a, just a, just a formless lump of clay. If you just let that go to the potter, the potter says, I, I've got the ability. I preach to some people today that you feel like your life is probably kind of like that lump. That, that formless lump of clay. It's just nothing. And yet in this place today, you want to talk about a potter. He's not just any potter. He's not just an ordinary potter, but he has the ability to take that lump of clay and begin to shape it and form it and make it into something that is so far beyond anything you could imagine. Paul says, last verses, Paul says, Philippians 3 and verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man think of thee, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me I counted as loss for Christ yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ Paul says you know what from a natural perspective if there was anybody that had anything to offer I had it 
of the out of I was the religious of the religious. Paul, everybody, Paul was killing before he got saved. He he was doing it in what he believed was the name of religion. He said, I, I knew the law. I know all about it. I was, I was the cream of the crop. And yet I realized really all of that was nothing. And when I came to him, really I counted it all as lost and accepted that I didn't really have anything to give him. So, but, but I knew that in return, there was a knowledge of the excellency of Christ that was available to me. Paul said it like this in another place. We have this treasure. Treasure. In earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God. Not of us. One, you study that out. You'll find really to us today what we would most relate to that in is just a just an old paper cup. At the end of this service, perhaps I will have finished this bottle of water. And at some point someone is going to come along. And throw it away. Nobody's going to come up here today and ask for this bottle of water to take it home and put it in your china cabinet. Because the value, oh, I'm almost done. The value of the bottle is very, very minimal. If I had an empty, this empty bottle this morning, nothing in it, and tried to sell it today, I doubt anyone would buy it. I guess if I was, you know, a celebrity or some big star, I could probably auction it off because I touched it. There's no value in it. So an empty bottle today, I would get nothing for But if you had just made your way through the desert a couple of days with no water and I sat this full bottle before you, you would pay me any amount. Why? Because of what is in it. There really are some, you know, there, you get some nice looking folks here today. You guys, you look nice looking people. Bottom line is, don't matter how nice you look today, don't matter how fancy you may have done your hair, men or women, don't matter how much product some of us guys have in it. Don't matter what the tint, the color of your skin is. Don't matter if you are more horizontally spread out than others. The bottom line is we all are one thing. Dirt. You you may be nice dressed dirt today, but you're dirt. You may be washed dirt today, but... You're dirt. But what I have the potential to hold. What I have been created to be filled with gives me value beyond anything you could ever imagine. So whether you are a guest today, or maybe you're somebody that is a regular attendee member, I've come to preach to somebody today, God is interested in you giving Him nothing. I don't mean giving Him nothing, but I mean giving Him nothing. 
Well, that preacher said, I don't have to give anything. No, I said, you have to give nothing. If I don't give anything, that's giving nothing. No, that's not giving nothing. You got to give nothing. You got that? I don't mean walk away having given him nothing. I mean take nothing. I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything worthwhile to offer you. I don't have anything impressive to give you, but I am going to give you what I have. Because if you can hang an earth on nothing, that's pretty impressive. If all you need is a word to hang a world, you know, my, my world's a little bit smaller than that. Then that means you've got the ability to take my nothing and do something. Sister Trish, come please. Come here, Josh. I felt this earlier this morning. If you would truly, not saying you haven't, but fully, completely release and give yourself to God in one year from now, it would blow your mind what God would do with your life. I think you don't think you have a whole lot to give, and you don't. None of us do. But I, if you would truly, and I, I don't mean this in the sense that you haven't, I'm just saying, maybe I'm saying, if you would continue, let me put it that way. To give the way you're giving your one year from now. Not only you, but others of us would look and say, wow. Look what the Lord has done. Brother, Brother Mike McGurk, would you come here, please? I asked oh, Mike to come pray. Well, I want you to go ahead and stretch your hand toward him. God's got some amazing stuff in store for Josh. The devil wants to hinder that and fight that, but God's just interested. You just give me what may seem to be not a whole lot, but I'm going to do something far beyond what you think could ever happen with your nothingness. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I, I know we, we're not doing it this way that much anymore, but I, I just really feel it right now this morning. If you're in this place today and what's been preached, you feel a witness in your spirit that God is talking to you, I want to invite you right now to get out of your seat. And I'm asking you to do it this way as a demonstration to say, God, I don't feel like I really have a whole lot to give you. But if you will do what with what I have, what you have the ability to do, then I'm willing to give you what I have, even if it feels like nothing. Come on, there's some folks in this today, in this place today, that I believe the Holy Ghost is talking to you this morning, and you are so convinced I don't have anything to offer Him, and I, I, I you really, you are right. You don't really have a whole lot to offer Him, but I've come to tell you today all he wants is what you have and he can do something with what you have that is so far above and beyond what you could ever imagine he could do in the name of Jesus can I get some folks that would come help pray right now Come on, can I get some folks who would come to this altar and pray with those that have come? Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this place today. God is interested in some people releasing to Him today what may seem to be nothing, but it's what God needs to be able to do something. There is a treasure. If you don't already have it, there is a treasure that God would like to deposit in your earthen vessel today. 
He wants the excellency of His power and of His Spirit to dwell inside of what may be just an earthen vessel. But that's all He's looking for is an earthen vessel. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I know I've said it to one specifically, but I say it to many of you, uh, many others of you today. If you would truly today give God what you have, it'd be the same thing for you. One year from now, you would look back in total amazement at what God has done from what seemed to be nothing. He's not asking you to fix your life. He's not asking you to work out all the issues of your life. He's not asking you to fix all the messes of your life. He's just asking you, give me what it is you have. I just want what you have. I just want what you have. Because if you'll give me what you have, I've got the ability to do something with it. God's not looking for an impressive resume from you. God's not looking for all kinds of reasons why you're qualified. God's not looking for all kinds of reasons why you're the one that he should pick. God's just looking for you to simply do like the little boy with five loaves and two fishes did and say, God, if you can use what I have, then I'm going to give you what I have. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm not going to hang on to what I am, what I have, because it doesn't seem like anything. But God, I'm going to release it. I'm going to give it to you. See what you can do.